Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. Okay, so we've been learning from the book of Hebrews over the many weeks um, and the writer of the book of Hebrews has taught us that Jesus is greater, greater than Moses, greater than the angels, greater than the priesthood, greater than the old covenant. And now at the end of chapter 10, going into chapter 11, he starts to move on a different tack. He gives us instructions for living. It's as if he's saying to us, okay, I've taught you all these things from um, these other chapters. I've always taught you all about Jesus and how great he is. Now, now you realize how great he is and all he's done, continue to live in this world as brand new people. So he brings us instructions for us how to keep going in this world. So, for Jews, which is this, this letter was written to, the Hebrews, this was amazing. They'd been living under strict rules, under the Torah, uh, under rituals, under holy days. But the writer is now saying, look, now, because of Christ's sacrifice, you are in freedom. Uh, but there's something you need. There's something you need while you're in this freedom. And it's a word that we're going to learn about more uh, when Lizzie brings a word uh, in the middle of November and that word is faith and in Hebrews 11 verse 1 and 2 it gives a definition of faith which is it is to be sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see so it's amazing words aren't they these a definition of faith from the bible because we use faith in many, many different ways, don't we, in this world? Oh, that person's got faith. He's got faith for how it will turn out. Uh, but the Bible makes it very different. It's the, the definition that the writer uh, brings is to be sure of what we hope for. How can we be sure of what we hope for? Well, this is where faith steps in. The faith that is given by Jesus and certain of what we do not see. How can we be certain of something we haven't seen yet? This is what Jesus said time and again to his disciples. Have faith, have faith to see beyond our time here to the one who waits for us and who we wait for, but who also has left us the Holy Spirit who is with us now in our hearts if we belong to him. So let's delve into Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 to 25. So I'll break it up into two parts, 23 to 25 and Hebrews 10, 32 to 39. Okay, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. If we 
And then, sorry, we'll go on to verse 32. Remember those earlier days after you had received the light, when you stood your ground in a great contest in the face of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You sympathised with those in prison and joyfully, joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property. How about that? Because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. How did they know that word faith? So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith. But if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who believe and are saved. So... What I'm going to do is break this preach into three points to help us remember. So as you can see from these two portions from chapter 10, he uses three very powerful uh, descriptions. He uses, first of all, uh, in verse 23 of chapter 10, he uses the words hold unswervingly. OK, what great descriptive words they are. So un swervingly so just imagine yourself holding a steering wheel and someone says to you hold it unswervingly okay well we recently went to um scotland and this is exactly what i had to do there i'll talk about that in a moment so first of all we're going to talk about hold unswervingly second we're going to talk about spur one another on that's verse 24. The writer says, spur one another on. And number three is going to be persevere in suffering. OK, so three points how we can keep going in this world that is seemingly so opposite to the Lord. First of all, hold on swervingly. Secondly, spur one another on. And thirdly, persevere in suffering. OK, so hold unswervingly it's an amazing word as i say you can just want you to use your imagination imagine a windy road um myself and victoria my wife um have recently come back from scotland a few months ago um and we had the most amazing time in a, in a motorhome um and obviously it's a very wide vehicle and we were right at the top of scotland and some of those roads um didn't have it wasn't barely wide enough for a car, let alone a motorhome. And they have what's called passing places where you pull in and let cars go past. Uh, but you have to be concentrating constantly. It's hard work. Constantly concentrating on the road ahead and tight corners. You never know who's around the corner. You have to be alert. You have to hold that steering wheel for your life because a motorbike can come around the corner. A car, another motorhome can come around the corner. You have to look ahead carefully. Sometimes we have to look ahead half a mile along the mountain top 
to see what was coming. So we knew and we had to prepare ourselves for pulling in, finding a passing place so that those, these other people could pass us. And this was what it was like for the Hebrews. They were no longer, as I said before, under the tight reign of the law of what they lived under. But now they were living under freedom and it was quite a change for them. It's, we take it for granted, but for, the, for those guys in this era, it was quite something. They were suddenly free to love God in a whole different way, led by the Holy Spirit. But this led to problems. And it leads us to problems too if we don't understand what the Bible tells us. Because in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8, it says there is an enemy, there is an enemy in this world who prowls around like a roaring lion looking for whom he may devour. Now that's quite a statement, isn't it? Peter says there is an enemy, a devil, who is prowling around, looking for people, believers who he might devour. Now, how would he devour? And what does that even look like? Well, this is exactly what the writer is saying. If we hold tight to that steering wheel and be led by God, be led by the word, then we will not swerve off the road and be prey to the enemy's tricks. So let's think about three points that would help us to hold unswervingly to that steering wheel. So number one, I would, I would say it would be to pray, have a praying life. Now it's so easy, isn't it? It's so easy not to pray because it doesn't come naturally. At least it doesn't to me. I have to make time to pray. I have to dedicate myself to pray. I have to slow down to pray. I have to listen to God to pray. It doesn't come naturally. But prayer is infinitely important at helping us to hold on to that steering wheel. I would say another key point would be to know the Word of God. Know that you are Bibles how important and how precious this word of God is to us that God has left us. Know the word of God. I would, I would love us all uh, to dedicate our time to meditate on this precious book as much as possible. Dedicate time to meditate on the word. Let it sink into your house so that when you're in times of trial, when you're on a windy country road and there's no light, it seems, then God can drop scripture into you and cause light to come where there is no light. And last of all, it would be to remember the hope that God has given to us. So remember the hope. That will help us to hold unswervingly to the steering wheel that God has left us. Okay. Now, one of my heroes in the running world is a guy called Eliud Kipchoge. He's a legend of a sorry, Kenyan world marathon record holder. He's an amazing athlete and his whole life is dedicated to breaking two hours for the marathon which is an immense task and he has done it he's done it but he's done it in a 
a kind of artificial environment around a, a, a racetrack where we had an infinite amount of help and it, it, obviously there was nobody else and it wasn't recognised as an actual world record but he has done that time which is bonkers, absolutely crazy. Now why would this man do this to his body and do this and well alter his whole life for that purpose? Well, obviously, it's not rocket science, is it? Prestige, he gets to be the first guy, first man to ever break two hours. You know, if you remember the four-minute mile breaking, it was massive. Many, many people have done it since. But that first person, Roger Bannister, was, and he still is, famous for what he did. Eliud Kipchoge desires the same. Prestige, fame, Money is associated with it, recognition and success. His name up in lights for a certain amount of time because somebody else will bound to do it sooner or later. But his whole training is designed to break that time. His whole life is designed to break that time. Now what, if that's Eliud Kipchoge's, I'm not saying that's all he's about, but if that's his hope and his desire and what he's built his life upon, what about our hope? What is our ultimate hope? See, if we go to 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9, it says these most credible words. It says, this is what we look forward to. It says, no eye has seen no ear has heard, nor no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed it to us by his spirit. Isn't that incredible? Doesn't that give us a slight inkling of what is ahead for those who love the Lord? You know, doesn't that help us to persevere? That is our hope that we have. Not only we have the Holy Spirit here and he is a joy and an encouragement, but we have a hope that is certain, an anchor. We have something ahead of us which is joy unspeakable and full of glory. So those things should help us to hold unswervingly to the steering wheel that God gives us in this life. Now, the second point, what did I say it was? It was spur one another on. So the first one was hold unswervingly. The second one is spur one another on. Well, what, is, what does spur mean? Well, it comes from that word that uh, horse riders have at the end of their, well, on their heels of their, uh, I can't think of the right word because I don't ride horses, thankfully. But it, a spur is a sharp object in the heel area, which um, I think is rather cruel, but never mind. Uh, as they ride the horse, if they want the horse to go faster or just to wake up and do something, they, they kind of hurt it a little bit on its, uh, on its side and get it to wake up. Uh, that's why the writer says this is what we should do to each other, not hurt each other, but wake each other up. Uh, help each other to be alert in the day that we're in. Now, just to go back to my earthly hero, which is again, Eliud Kipchoge, he has paces. When he was breaking that two hour world record artificially on that track, 
Uh, and when he's racing, he has pacers around him. They're, they're guys who are actually paid to pace at, at the exact pace to break the world record. So they get in a V formation uh, ahead of him, just slightly ahead of him, perfect kind of distance ahead of him for many, many reasons. Okay, and there's about, sometimes there's about five or six of them. Uh, and they surround him. They protect him from the wind. It's amazing to see. They set the pace and they help him pick up drinks. They help him with his uh, with his gels. They help him, help him have a little bit of food. They help him set his mind and keep his mind on the goal ahead. Now, surely this is what the writer to the Hebrews is talking about here, uh, that we need to do for one another. Help each other. We're, we're all weak, aren't we? We, we, we? we come under attack and we need help from one another. We need each other to gather around us when we're suffering. We need to rejoice with those who rejoice and we need to weep with those who weep. Each of us in our church have a gift. We have a gift that doesn't, well, we shouldn't use it to spend it upon ourselves or to show off. Actually, that gift should be used to build one another up, to encourage another, to, to help that person hear from God. And prayer is powerful for that, to hold one another up. Now, our women in our church here in CCM Gorton are experts at prayer and they pray for one another and they have whatsapp groups set up beautifully to hold one another up i love it and put put the men to shame really but what i find so helpful especially in my family is that when i hear a good preach i like to listen to uh, at least one preach a day uh, on on spotify when I hear a good one, I like to share it with my children. I like to share it with my wife, Victoria. Uh, and so I'll just place it on WhatsApp and send it to Victoria. I'll send it to my two girls and anybody else who, I th who comes to mind. And it can be so encouraging. It's bless me, so why not bless somebody else? Or if I'm reading the word and I come across a stunning scripture, why not send it to somebody else? Copy and paste it to somebody you know or somebody who that God puts on your heart. So that is spurring one another on. So number one is hold unswervingly. Number two, spur one another on. Number three, what did he say? He said in, in, in many other words, but using these words, he said, persevere in suffering. Wow, this is possibly the toughest, I'm sure you'd agree. Persevere in suffering. What is persevere? Well, it's what we're talking about today. It is keep going. John 16, verse 33. Um, quite a, a powerful scripture that Jesus brings to us. And he makes it very clear. He does not beat around the bush as Jesus never does. And he says, words to effect, in this world you will have trouble but take heart i have overcome the world isn't that stunning kind of you will have trouble it actually doesn't matter whether you're a christian or not it's not ex exclusive for christians of course it isn't everyone has trouble but those of us who believe in the lord have our hope in the lord can take these words and say well the Lord had trouble while he was here, 
But let's take heart because he has overcome the world. You see, when we come to know him, when we give our lives to him, when we follow him, we suddenly start to understand that we're living in a broken world. And it isn't difficult to see, is it? As we hear about Afghanistan and Syria, we see the pain, we see the suffering, we see the brokenness of this world. We see leaders who get it so wrong. And we see that this isn't where we belong anymore as believers. And yet the Lord keeps us here as salt and light. So we will have trouble guaranteed okay let's never think that when we come to christ we will have an easy life we can so easily fall for that rubbish it's just simply not true why because jesus the example of us all did not have an easy life if there was anyone who was perfect it was him there he was human perfection and yet his life was one of tears and sorrow. He is our example, unfortunate to say, but behold, he has overcome the world. So we will have trouble. We will be subject to diseases, illnesses, as we've seen with COVID, uh, and persecution from those who believe in many, many different forms because we belong to a different kingdom. So I'm going to talk for a while now about some personal situations that has been going on in my family. The only purpose of this um, is to help you if you also are going through uh, a time of suffering, just to help you put it into context and get close to God and see what he's doing. So um, take me, I'm going to take you back to Turkey when myself and my family um, were on holiday in 2018. It was actually just myself and Victoria. I'll, I'll change that. So it was just myself and Victoria. Uh, in 2018, we went to Turkey. Now, what we love to do, what we love to do is to, when we're on holiday, is to switch off. But keep switching on to God. So switch off to the chaos of our jobs and switch on to the Holy Spirit. So we love to say, Lord, take this holiday, speak to us, whisper to us about whatever you want to do. And sure enough, he did it again in 2018. And basically, uh, and, and we know Victoria has been running the Oasis Centre. She founded the Oasis Centre many, many years ago. And basically the Holy Spirit whispered to her that it was time now this new building is coming to coming into fruition that it will be built in no time at all again this is back in 2018 uh, it was finished in 2020 but in 2018 the holy spirit whispered to victoria and said i want you to have that center running without you and this was quite a surprise because <laughs> vic had really worked hard to get that center with the team around her to running like a finely tuned machine. Uh, and she'd got such an amazing team around her. And obviously when that thing is finished, when the building is finished, when it's looking beautiful, you wanna be there, you wanna be running it with the team. But the Holy Spirit really made it clear that that center should run without you. Now, that's quite a statement. And he said to me, whispered to me, pretty much the same time, to step down from leading CCM Gorton. In, that, in those days, I was leading CCM Gorton with Graham Harrop. 
uh, and good times. Uh, and the Holy Spirit whispered to us, step down, step down from leading. Again, quite a surprise, but we wanted to be obedient. So I went to Tim Simmons, said, hey, listen, this is what I believe God wants us to do. And I'm going to need to step down. Unfortunately, I know it drops you in it, but can you find another leader? What we're going to do? How are we going to do it? And yeah, took it on the chin and he he worked through it. And we were kind of excited about this, thinking, Lord, you've clearly got a new thing uh, planned, which is exciting because I remember when you whispered many, many years before about starting the Oasis Center and and all this, all these new ventures. So we were excited, thinking, oh Lord, what's next? Now at this particular time, Vic's sister, Alex, had breast cancer and she was really suffering. Um, and it was so upsetting to see. Uh, and the amazing thing was, Alex being a geneticist, studying that at university, a very very intelligent girl she knew the type of breast cancer she had uh, was very severe and knew that it was worth checking for a mutation called BRCA1 uh, you might know it because Angelina Jolie has that mutation uh, and it's very very serious and Alex really felt to check and have tests for that uh, particular mutation and so she pushed for that test uh, and proved through the generations before uh, her grandma, I think it was, and um, aunt, that those also had got breast cancer and some had passed uh, at a particular young age uh, and she believed she was BRAC1. Uh, and she was tested and sure enough, incredibly, incredibly, she was positive for that breast cancer gene. Uh, and a very strong... Uh, cancer gene which really kind of invites cancer into the into the woman's body uh, and is lethal absolutely terrible and there's not many words to say but anyway this is generational and it's strong through the women of the family so this obviously when Alex is tested found positive this changed everything at the back end of 2018 because we knew that Victoria being Alex's sister, she would have to be tested. And she had a 50% chance of being positive too. Now, you, as a believer in Christ, we hope, don't we? we? We say to the Lord, well, surely, surely that cannot be your will that my wife is also brat one, because that would mean a life of operations and of suffering so eventually we managed to get tested and incredibly enough she was tested positive for BRAC1 which meant that Victoria had to have a double mastectomy with reconstruction a hysterectomy and many other operations now obviously having two daughters as well this meant that they also had a 50% chance of having BRAC1. Unless my genetic material, if that's the right word, overrode it. So, <laughs> nervous days. And then COVID hits, which delayed the operations for Victoria. But incredibly enough, my parents very generously paid 
to go privately for Victoria's double mastectomy because it really needed it to be done quickly and the re reconstruction. But as they analysed what they had removed, they found cancer in Victoria's body. Uh, such a distressing time. And Alex, at this particular time, Vic's sister was going through chemo and getting treated for her cancer and so, so, so heavy, really so distressing. And so <laughs> in those days, uh, it, it seems so long ago, but it wasn't. Then Abigail, my eldest, uh, is tested for BRAC1 too. Now, I remember going into that room as we went in as a family uh, for her test, to her test results. Uh, and we were, well, this cannot be. There was no way that the Lord will allow such a trial for my eldest amazing daughter to be also positive. And when that doctor said, yes, she is positive, my eyes literally popped out of their of my skull. They widened and I could not believe my ears. That my also my eldest daughter was Barack one again, which led, which will lead, hasn't yet, which will lead when she's in her 30s to many operations. And to think of my daughter going through such pain and distress broke me. Um, but a lovely um, kind of light that came was when they, when Abigail married an amazing guy called Matthew, married him in lockdown. And just a small wedding, I don't know how many of us were there, maybe 15 or 16, married in lockdown in a very small service. It was a beautiful little bit of light in the darkness of those days. And it was so good. Soon after that, uh, Victoria had her hysterectomy. Uh, and while she's there in bed in the hospital, she feels a lump, which is just incredible she feels a lump and, and tells the doctor and the doctor says you need to get that checked out as soon as possible it seemed hardly believable but she had also now got a tumor and 10 days about after her hysterectomy she goes in for another operation to have that tumor removed incredible incredible we now wait at this present time for the results of how, if that tumour has spread through the lymph nodes and where it is in the body and whether, I mean, but we believe that Victoria needs chemotherapy and then radiotherapy for some months ahead. So, interesting day. So due to Abigail's result as being positive for BRAC1, they try for children, obviously, because this means that... Um, during her 30s, everything will change for her with these operations. So they try for children, her and her husband, quickly and succeed. Again, beautiful, joyful bit of light in the darkness. Uh, and a number of weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago, on the 20-week scan, well, what can I say? On a lovely granddaughter, there is found on the scan that this amazing child has heart abnormalities life-changing life-threatening heart abnormalities on this little child in the womb now 
this to us when we heard this news and obviously to Abigail and Matt was the ultimate and we were just dumbfounded at this news and there is little more to say about that we're waiting on a further scans about anything else but we are holding on to the Lord and in my business since June and my business did incredibly well in lockdown um, but then incredibly enough since June 2021 my business sales have dropped due to Brexit and due to many other factors have dropped 80% <laughs> which is incredible 80% and but the amazing thing in the wisdom of God of which I'll talk about now in the wisdom of God that allowed me to go to every single um, appointment at the hospital with Victoria not to leave her side because I was able to because my business sales were so quiet and so as a couple or as a family we think back to 2018 when being in Turkey sitting in the sun when we were thinking how exciting to think about what God might have in store when we step down from our roles what has God got for us And what we think up to now, what we can see up to now, is God in his infinite wisdom saw a storm coming that he was going to hold our hands through and take us through and work miracles through. And that was why he wanted us up to now. That is why he wanted us to step down from our roles. Now, that was quite the opposite of what myself and Victoria had in mind. We were thinking of high, uh, exciting roles for God. Instead, we went down into the dark, 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 dark valley. And God went with us. Reminds me of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, who refused to bow down to that idol of Nebuchadnezzar's and basically were thrown into the furnace. But the beautiful thing was for Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego was there was another in the fire with them. And he was one who looked like the son of a God. He was Jesus in that fire with those three. And this is how we are finding it. Even though our world has caved in, we have one walking with us. And as we go along this road, we are actually finding that there is excitement in the darkness. There is joy in the darkness. And we pray for that little girl of Abigail's. We pray that she is born completely well, that God turns it around in the womb. But our greatest prayer is to know God and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. We're starting to learn new things in the darkness. So verse 32 to 36, I'm just gonna remind you that again, we read it before, it says, remember those earlier days. This is chapter 10 of Hebrews. Remember those earlier days after you'd received the light when you stood your ground in a great contest in the face of suffering. 
Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution and other times you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You sympathised with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property. Why? Because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you've done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised for in just a little while. He who is coming will come and will not delay, but my righteous one will live by faith. And if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who believe and are saved. You know, even though my business has seemingly dropped to <laughs> zero, we as a family lack nothing. God is so infinitely gentle with us in our time of trial. He is with us. He's not just a hope we see in the distance, far from it. He is with us now. So I want to ask you, I want to ask you, what is your challenge at the moment? What is your trial at the moment? What is your temptation? Is it singleness? Is it your job, your lack of a job? Is it your marriage? Is it uh, no direction at the moment? What is your challenge? See, God in his infinite wisdom can, can do great work in dark times. How is gold formed? Through incredible temperature and chemical processes. How are diamonds formed through incredible pressure in the ground? And this is the same in the kingdom. If we want character and godliness, God will not exclude us from hard times. He will take us through hard times. I have a plant in our kitchen, which I'm particularly fond of, but the thing really winds me up because it won't stand up straight and I constantly have to prop it up. And I just want to shout at it, come on, get a grip, stand up straight like a plant should do. But there are reasons for this. It never has experienced the wind. It's never experienced any bad weather. It's only experienced what happens in our kitchen. <laughs> See, a plant outside will be swayed and battered from side to side and its roots will go strong and its stem and trunk will grow strong because of the wind. We need dark times as much as we don't like them. We need them to grow character and great faith. So if we persevere, we need to, as we persevere, we need to hold unswervingly to the truth. We need to spur one another on in the church. Don't think we can do this on our own because we cannot. And we need to persevere in suffering. Now, obviously, we have the perfect example of this portrayed for us in Jesus himself. He came to this sinful earth from the highest heights of glory and holiness for one purpose. He became poor in all ways. He served and he healed those around him. He lived a sinless, perfect life. He showed a perfect way and yet was rejected by those he came to save. 
Yet his gaze was unmoved. His gaze was fixed. He was unswerved. He held unswervingly to what was ahead of him in Jerusalem and to the cross for the salvation of our souls. No one was there to spur him on. His disciples ran away. No one, even his father, turned his face away as he became sin for us. And yet in Hebrews 12, verse 2, it says, For the joy that was set before him, he scorned the shame. What does that mean? It means he saw something ahead of him beyond the cross, beyond the descent into hell. Beyond these things, he saw something that brought him infinite joy. What was that? Surely it was his bride. It was us. It was us. The thought of him winning us back, redeeming his bride back to himself, was what caused him to set his face to the cross, to hold unswervingly through that storm. What an example for us. As he experienced cosmic loss and the fire of hell, he looked and his aim was his bride. He persevered for us, for all those he has called. So doesn't that help us? Doesn't that help us to hold on when we are suffering? I want to bring you, just before I close, two verses which should encourage you. It encouraged me for sure. Peter brings this great verse in 1 Peter 1 verses 6 and 7. Let me read this powerful verse to you. In this you greatly rejoice, so now for a little while, I like that, hopefully, for, for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. All kinds of trials. These have come, so the reason for the trials are so that your faith, which is, is of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. Isn't that amazing? This is what our sufferings can achieve. Glory, praise and honour to the King of Kings. Isn't that what we want? We're not, well, we shouldn't be so fixed on this world that we just have what this world can offer. Actually, why not sow into the future and bring praise to God by suffering now as well? Romans 5 is my last verse to encourage you. Romans 5 verses 3 to 5 say these words. Not only so, Paul says, but we also rejoice. We, I say, we, we rejoice in our sufferings. Can we get to that? Where we don't avoid our sufferings? But we rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given to us. With the church and the Holy Spirit, we can keep going in dark times. We can persevere till we see 
the Lord's face. We can persevere, not thinking we're going to be getting a promotion somehow in the spirit, but persevere just because God is worthy. I just want to pray. Lord, thank you for the truth, which is very, very deep and very, very mysterious, but so true that through suffering, you build true character, which is so opposite to the Western culture where we avoid suffering and it's seen as a negative you lord see suffering as positive that out of darkness comes resurrection and new life lord i pray that you would glorify yourself through my family's trials and anyone else listening lord god who is going through real storms at the moment that you would be glorified and bring character to them in the name of Jesus. Amen.